When it comes to returning from an injury, there's more to do than just the physical processes. There's an entire mental side that we must cover. In this week's episode of the Difference Maker Podcast, we bring on special guest Matt Siniskowski, athletic development and reconditioning instructor at Knowles Athletic in Philadelphia. Matt comes on to talk about the importance behind what it means to recondition and how to really come back feeling more confident than ever. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Difference Maker Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Calderoni. Today we have an awesome guest, probably one of the hippest individuals that I know, Matt Siniscalci, like I mentioned before, from Knowles Athletic. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, brother. Well, appreciate you uh, considering me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. So, dude, let's start with it a bit. I mean, we will obviously get into more details because we've got so many different topics to touch on. I want you to describe to our listeners best exactly what you do because you've got a very impactful and I would say interesting role with the athletes that you work with and in sports and development. Yeah, so uh, currently um, I'm basically Bill Knowles, who is a reconditioning specialist. Um, I'm his assistant. So what we primarily deal with in particular um, are athletes that come to us um, injured mostly. Um, so this typically is, uh, I would say primarily knee injuries, um, but we've dealt with a whole host of, uh, sports hernia type injuries, um, knees, ankles, backs, uh, shoulders. So there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, different athletes that come in for different injuries, but primarily they are injured or they're, uh, coming as part of that process. So it could be very early on, um, yeah. or it could be you know, middle, if you want to call it middle stage or very, very late stage. And then we also have athletes that are healthy and, um, yep. we, 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 that's kind of my role is like, I'll primarily deal with them uh, a lot yep. of times. So, um, yeah, so that's, that, that kind of covers most of it, but it's mostly the injured athlete that is coming back. And a lot of times teams or individual athletes or the, the therapist that might come, um, with them is sometimes it's a, it's a different, or a, I guess it's not a second opinion, but it is a different outlook on training to try to identify maybe some things that they might be lacking that could be hindering um, where they should go or could go or um, to, to improve essentially. Um, so sometimes, sometimes people will, you know, they come to you and you'll hear a lot of, you know, they're, well, they're very strong or they're, or they're this, that, and the other. So like, mm-hmm. what's really missing, you know, like what's, what's, and, and sometimes it's, it's, you just need a different opinion and a different outlook and view on how, how, how the athlete moves and, and, and solves solutions. And that's kind of our job. So um, that. that's kind of the, the brief overview of it. Well, see, so this is, there's going to be so many, like I said, different topics we can get into with this whole mm-hmm. podcast, because I'm very, very interested in this discussion. I want mm-hmm. to start though with body confidence in regards to performance mm-hmm. um, because you know this is like this is a really big one that we noticed too right like mm-hmm. we're going to obviously blend the mental side in this episode but my thing is this like we have a lot of athletes we deal with obviously and even even you know corporate individuals let's say where a lot of the times people don't realize that part of the mental game is the physical game and how much you can trust your body right mm-hmm. and when we look mm-hmm. at that you know, we see a lot of athletes that are like, okay, well, there's a fear in my, in my steps sometimes. And it's because I'm not too sure if I'm going to step the wrong way and something pops out. And I'll be honest with you. A lot of the times with the athletes we work with, it comes into this mentality where there's been an issue there before. 
they kind of, you know, quote unquote, suck it up because they're going into Rambo mode, right? And mm-hmm. before they know it, they're coming into a performance where it's like, I should have, I should have dealt with that. Tell us a little bit about the work and the experiences that you have, let's say, seeing that and how it's maybe mm-hmm. majorly impacted an athlete, both, let's say, acutely and chronically. Yeah, so um, I guess the past few years have been probably the most enlightening, I think, of my coaching career. Um, and the reason why is I sort of go down a rabbit hole of trying to understand sure. more um, about, and, the, and the, the hard question I, you know, had to ask myself is, um, is what I think a, a big issue that goes on with regards to injured athletes that are injured or they come back and they are quote unquote good. Um, mm. But they might have issues that just chronically happen all the time, but they're just, you know, they are healthy because they're playing, but something has not been fully restored. And I think that um, one of the big things that I think, is missing a lot of times maybe it's not missing I just think it's like something that I try to challenge myself all the time about is if you take a step back and I don't care I mean there's a bunch of research on anything you could possibly look up you could look up any research on anything but there's a lot of things that you can't research because research looks at one finite little thing in a specific way without any other variables and the thing that we have to take back and consider is ask ourselves every single time when we're dealing with somebody, whether it's general population, athlete, whoever it is, is what does that person ultimately need to do and work back from that, which I didn't do early on in my career. I kind of thought like, you know, you have athletes, they come in, they do some speed work, they do some power work, they do some strength work, core work, conditioning, and they leave and and then you have a plan and all these things. But at the end of the day, you have to ask, we have to ask ourselves, what does the athlete that you're working with or the person, whether it be the stay at home mom or whatever you want to like, whatever it is, Yes. what do they need to do, whether it's in life or what do they need to do in their sport? And if you work back and you just think about that for like, I want, if people are listening to this, I want them to understand like, what do they like, just watch what the athlete needs to do. And so if you take, for instance, like a a football player, a quarterback, they need to be able to throw the football and they need to be able to make decisions. They need to be, you know, fast decisions. Um, they need to, the, the throwing action itself is a skill. They need to work on that skill and then they need to also run and they need to sprint and they need to cut and they need mm-hmm. to do these things. And as a result of that, they need to be good at the execution of those skills. So we can work in the gym in ways that are very general. And I think that applies to every person, regardless of what sport you play um, and what you do in your life, because general is exactly what it means. We are working on the general qualities of what the athletes need to do. So what we see in reconditioning is we see yeah, athletes are squatting and they're lunging and they're deadlifting and they're jumping and they're whatever, pushing and pulling and all the lifts that you would typically deem as these are just general movements to work on the joint actions of the body to strengthen them. But at the end of the day, I think that even though those things, they do go far, I think though, where we don't, where we kind of see the issues is like, there's this transition of, well, 
the athletes started going outside now because they'd been in the gym in the weight room, they'd been injured. And then all of a sudden their knee blew up and, or whatever, just started blowing. And I think we fit, sometimes fail to like, we miss, we miss a part of our training process and it's not as seamless as it should be because it's not necessarily, it's too general for what the athlete needs to do from what you actually visually see. It's not mm-hmm. enough. And so you see like these phases, like they have to do this then they progress to this, then they progress to three, then phase four, then phase five. But, but if you work back from just what they have to do, right, every, it, it, can, it makes the process that much more visible for the athlete to see and do, and it makes them that much more confident because everything is working back from what they have to do. Yes. The general is the general stuff, you know, like it's like that's going to take care of itself. If you're just a, a, a coach who understands progressive resistance and you understand, yep. um, you know, just not crushing them and they're going to graduate, they're, they're going to improve in those general things. But I think if we can look at the execution of the skills that they're actually asked to do in how they're done and how intense they're going to be asked to do it in, you have to you have to work back from that because that's the not not just hopping. You know, to, yep. to pass someone for an ACL, not, uh, you know, whatever tests are that you see out, like not just a, a Nordic hamstring, uh, like those are just like yes. part of like, they're, they're just part of an assessment to say like, yeah, like, do they have some strength in these areas? Yes. Is it, a, is there a massive difference? No. Well, you have to get them to the, to the, to the skill itself, um, in a way, because that's what they're going to have to do. And I think that there's a big disconnect sometimes with those things, because you always hear the stories of well, he's really strong right now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're talking about just general strength. You're not talking about like how he's applying that strength in a skill like a cut. And, and there's so much that goes into those things. There's the hard skill, which is basically performing the action without chaos. And then it's like, well, they can do that now. They can do that really well. They can do it in a variety of ways at different speeds. Great. Let's now start introducing chaos in ways that they're going to actually encounter those things in their sport. That stuff I don't see a lot. That ha- I don't think that stuff really happens that 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 often or that well or the, in that in depth. And that's where I think there's issues with confidence. If you're talking about the psychological aspect, is that athletes don't totally. feel like they're ready because they're not actually preparing for the actual skills in the weight room and or out of the weight room enough to feel confident and to actually show them how like improved they are for those things. You know, well, man, and, let me like, sorry, just to get in on that quickly sure. for a second, like this, I, I, I fucking love this. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you straight, like, this is where, man, uh, let, let me unpack this for a second. Cause there's just so much. So first mm-hmm. off for anybody listening, reconditioning. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Matt just mentioned, reconditioning means getting back to the skill itself at the highest point of chaos. Correct. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Yeah, sure. Brilliant. So here's where I have a problem right now with some things that go on where it is, you know, we see this all the time, exactly like you're talking about so many athletes that are coming back, they're doing the basics, they're hopping, they're jumping, they're moving, they're squatting. And then on my end, let's say for the psychological return to play protocol, we are also then coupling that with mental reps and Mm. where I have a problem with right now, the general psych world, we'll call it. Um, and I'm sure you can call this right now, almost like the general rehabilitation side of it is probably in the same realm where it's like, well, why have them get it back up to that point of, let's say, 
specific skill practice when they're re rehabilitating. And it's exactly like you're talking about or Matt's talking about where it's, it's a buildup back to that skill level. I can't expect my quarterback, for example, going off your, your exact situation there. I can't expect him to go ping a guy, you know, on the line after doing a slant when he's been out for, I don't know, eight weeks and his reconditioning has been generalized. I can't expect mm -hmm. that. I can't expect him to walk back into performance with his swagger. And I think this is where we're getting it wrong a lot of the times with all of this, because we're almost expecting that, like you said, the generalist, general side, sorry, to switch and become all, almost automatic that they're back to that point of he can perform under pressure. There's so much that sure. goes into that, right? And sure. it's like when we're looking at this and doing it the right way, it's something you really need to consider as an athlete or even, like you said, a general individual. Like you can't mm -hmm. go pick up a, a super heavy box without picking up the small light ones first, but you have mm -hmm. to get there to know you can do it. And that's part of confidence. Right. So sure. let's I, I love this because you just brought into a new term that I've really taken a liking to right now, which is having that hard skill with and without chaos. Teach mm -hmm. us a bit about that. Uh, yeah. So the 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 colleagues that I've learned that from um, have really taught me a lot with regards to that. And that kind of, that's kind of what has opened my eyes more to coaching than I have in the past. And I think it's it's. It all kind of stems from Dr. Michael Yesis, who is a who's a biomechanist, um, who's who's I think like 89 or 90, 90 years old now. But he's the one that kind of obviously brought over a lot of the technique and skill work from the old Soviet stuff, and and so on. You can everyone, most people know who he is. Um, but the brilliant thing I think that that from talking with him and talking to colleagues that mentor under him, um, and how he goes about the business and 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 how he looks at it is it's exactly what I kind of just mentioned. And that to me was a turning point in my career. And the reason why was because, was because, um, because we're doing things, we're doing things that are not, that, that I don't, I don't even know how, how to, how to explain it in the, in the best way, but it, it's <laughs> like, wait, go over that question again. Give me, give me the question. So, again. so put, put it this way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, I think you're right on point too, with what you wanted to land there, but the hard skills and the soft skills or sorry, hard skills oh, yeah, with yeah, without yeah. chaos. Right. Yeah. And yeah, how you. that relates yeah. to the confidence piece, like teach us about that. Yes. Yes. I, okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm making sure I was on track there. Um, yeah. But, but, but what, what the, what, how I've, how I've come to learn what a hard skill is, is this, that's like the basic understanding of the skill. So if we're talking about the skill of running, well, running, there's, X amount of joint actions that the body undergoes. So, you know, there's a there's a a knee drive where the leg is behind the body and the and then thigh is coming forward. Then there's the paw back action. If you don't like the paw back name, that's fine. But the leg comes back and down. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the toe off. So the 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 ankle extension that occurs from the push off. And so those are like the hard like that is what happens in the actual skill. So every skill has joint actions that occur in certain positions they occur. They don't just uh, like, for instance, like uh, throwing, for instance, the internal rotation of the shoulder occurs up at shoulder height. It doesn't happen uh, by your side that you typically see like in the rehab setting, right? Like, it's not like we might, that's not that it's wrong. It's just that one's a little bit more specific than the other in that, in that sense. So uh, for the running example, for instance, um, we want obviously these certain joint actions to occur. We want the, um, you don't want them heel striking when they're running, which you'll see professional athletes that when they go out and they run, they heel strike. I don't think that's very beneficial in any way, shape or form. Um, how, 
there could be I don't care, but I'm just saying that action is sure. not beneficial for them because it's creating a breaking action. So these are these are the hard, that's the hard skill. Learn how to do these things, and then as you um, get more proficient in those things, and you can strengthen them through special exercises, as they're called, um, and then obviously general exercises can help them as well, up to a, a point. But these skills are learned in settings where there is no other real variables. They're, 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 it's like it's kind of like your typical like I'm going to go shoot free throws a hundred sure. times. Not, not, I'm not advocating it, but it's that's the hard. I'm trying to learn how to perform the actions that are associated with the skill without craziness and everything else going on. The the soft skill is kind of where the variability comes in. So now I'm going to add runs where I'm going to be. Once the person understands how to land in the midfoot, they understand they have good pullback action, they have good knee drive, they're tall, posture is good, all these things that you typically associate with good running mechanics, you start to incorporate them into the things that they actually do for their sport. That could be curvilinear runs, that could be um, running at different speeds. So you're once someone goes, uh, they, they start to learn how to sprint faster and faster and faster because they're learning the skill. One of the things I do not, I don't necessarily say I don't believe in it, but is like this idea of well self-organization because I've seen people say sprinting is self-organizing, but yet I see the videos of them saying these things and the people are heel striking. Like I've seen kids heel strike. I've seen, you know, I just saw the other day it was like English league championship uh, finals, like whatever, a month ago, whatever it was. And the guy's making a, he's making a recovery run to play defense. And I slow it down on a video and the guy is literally heel striking. His head is tilted way back and he's just smashing his heels every step. And I'm like, he is maximally running his balls off to get back to play defense and he's <laughs> heel striking. So how is that, how is that necessarily self-organization in my, because the skill that is not fast. People don't heel strike, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that's like, that's the skill. And mm -hmm. so you have to learn the skill and it has to be kind of like that in some ways boring effect because you have to learn the hard skill without all these other things because otherwise I don't think I've ever seen it improve. So right. I could be wrong, but then you have to take that skill and over time, make it more specific to the actions that they're going to encounter in the live sport. And that just means that you're making subtle differences in maybe intensities in uncertain it, there's uncertain uh, decision-making that has to occur. There's speed changes that are, that are happening. And then you're seeing how this person reacts to that. Do they fall back into that pattern a lot? Do they, do they just not have enough of the strength and abilities to ask what you're doing for, for them to do? And so it makes you think more critically of not, not just, just, just run really fast and they're just going to self-organize and, and they're, they're going <laughs> to run really, really well. Because, because if that were the case, it's like, I don't know why there's a, I don't think there's, there's a reason for a coach the, the coach's job, I think, is to understand that there is a hard skill and there is chaos and, and there is a soft these soft skills where there's variability and how you have to blend both of them and progress them over time so that at the end of the day, they're ready for what their sport has to do. But if they don't have that basic foundation of those things, then I think they're going to run into problems more and more often or they're not going to necessarily improve in the things that you want them to, to see improve. So, so let that's me ask you where this then. Yeah, go ahead. Because this is what I'm curious about. So two questions. Number one, do you think this is where in your field people are missing missing the boat pretty much? And two, on the opposite end, I'll share a quick story because I would love mm -hmm. to know your thoughts on this. I've got an athlete 
who's been told or was told in the past multiple times, oh, your injury, it's coming from stress. It's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. And then when this individual really had it kind of looked at with somebody like yourself who went, I would, I would say a little bit more in depth. Let's, let's be nice mm-hmm. about that, right? Went mm-hmm. a little bit more in depth, maybe put time into it. Maybe there was more education there. I don't know. I'm going to get your thoughts on that in a second. Mm-hmm. Was found that it was not misdiagnosed, but mm-hmm. I would say it was missed in the assessment in general. Mm-hmm. And this was a problem that was occurring for pretty much about a year. And now Mm -hmm. this individual, after finally unpacking the mental baggage with it, cleaning it up and getting this person back confident within themselves, we come back and realize, you know, it's all about the root of the issue. It came back to something that wasn't seen. So I'm curious to know for you, is this where people are missing the boat with that? Because I'm personally, I'm sick of this mentality of, oh, it's a mental thing for the issue I get or for the injury. I get that. That's a real thing. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's a scapegoat for Mm -hmm. things that are maybe missed and not seen. And it's something that I need some light shed on. And so do our viewers. I think it's a hundred percent. That's true because, because when it's like, well, this person is always, you know, they, they always complain of these things, but I kind of try to come back to is, well, if you're saying it's a mental thing, I think they're basically very similar in the sense that like our body, this is this is where I think when we had our previous talk about uh, like yep. flexibility in, in these situations. Um, yep. um, <clears throat> essentially, if if when you when you do anything, when you perform any act or any you do any skill or any movement, there's always going to be, um, and you won't necessarily you don't think of this happening, but there's always a sense of stress and threat. And so if what you're asking the person to do is too much for them to handle, whether it be mentally or physically, I think it comes down to, well, what are you asking them to do? And do they have the flexibility? When I say flexibility, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of various things when I mean flexibility, but essentially it's like, do they have the, the motor control and strength and the actual flexibility to, to do what you're asking them to do? And if so, then maybe you're doing too much. If not, then you probably have to find and dig deeper to understand that it's probably because they don't have the confidence via the ability, the, the abilities, the physical abilities to do what you're asking them to do. And so it just keeps reoccurring over and over and over again. So I'll give you an example. Um, person person plays, uh, plays soccer, okay? person Mm -hmm. always always has has uh super tight hamstrings and i'll go back to the example but then you watch their skill execution and they always always heel strike they don't have good flexibility to perform the action of running and cutting so over time it's like man i always they perceive and think that what they do and who they are they just have tight hamstrings that's just that's right. like I just I have really really freaking tight hamstring, as opposed to saying, well, why why do I have these things? Why do I have a uh, chronic, call it whatever it is, chronic back issues, chronic hip issues, whatever it might be, and taking a step back and trying to see how they do things, and then what have they been doing to to solve those problems? And so yeah, I think a lot of times they don't 
they just think like it's it just is what it is you know it's kind of like saying like my back is always tight and then like you take you tell somebody to go into a position to stretch um their hips or their spine they're like oh my god i can't like and you just see it in their body response they can't even go into the position that you're asking them to go into fluidly and easily and be comfortable and so their body goes you ain't doing this man and that that very simple flexibility stretch is the stress response that you feel but you're actually not even doing it to the degree at which you would do let's say in this in the skill and so think about how impactful that is on somebody when the skill execution is at the utmost highest, probably, you know, most complicated, highest intensity. And then you're just asking them to do the same joint action, but at a low level, easy, slow, whatever you want to call that, calm. And they mm-hmm. can't even relax in that position because to me, execution of skills and execution of all these things, you should be very fluid and you should be um, very almost calm when doing these things. And so because we see this, to me, that is the red flag to say that that person doesn't have um, the flexibility, the strength, or just the the wherewithal to understand that mm-hmm. you need to be able to relax and get into these positions because you're just going to keep on saying, this is tight, this hurts, um, I can't do this. It's kind of like, um, have you ever heard an example like, Someone, um, this is like not what I would do with an athlete, but you see someone do a sure. split on the ground. You see someone do a split on the ground and they're like, oh my God, my, my groins would split in half. It mm-hmm. is, I'm not saying that you have to teach someone how to do that, but I'm <laughs> saying the very, the very sight of someone seeing something that sets off in their mind, oh my God, I would, my groins would explode doing that. Now take that to a skill where yes. they do do it and they just can't achieve the things that you're asking them to achieve because it's like, dude, that's so hard. Like, I can't do that. Like that's so because you're not, we're not building back from that and having this kind of this, this, this process um, help them along the way, because it's like when you achieve step one, whatever that remedial step might be, that builds confidence at that. Then you have step two and then you get all these steps and all these, um, if you want to call them progressions, mm-hmm. um, to make them more confident in the thing that they could not do. So they're one and the same. It's like we see people who can't squat and they have knee pain. It is not because you should not be squatting. It is because you don't have the flexibility at whatever joint that they are. And you're either doing things way too intense for the things that you're being asked to do with regards to a squat, or you don't have the freaking joint ranges of motion and control. And no one has really taught you how to do these things extremely well to make them easy not yes. harder easier you want to make them easier so that be, so, so that there is no threat there is no sense of like oh my god that's so hard to do no you want to be at that level where it's just hard enough where it's a little bit of a challenge but they can come back and do it the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and that's totally. where you build confidence because they can it's repeatable i can do it all the time and so that's where I think there's that that's that's the big issue is that we're so asking me, people to do yeah go ahead. No, I was gonna say I, I was go ahead and finish your sentence there. And I was just saying that that that's where I find that there's issues because people if you if if people can't do things at low levels fluidly and easily, 
and you're expecting them to do things at high ends, they're, they're to me, I don't, I don't know how you expect that to happen. I don't know how we expect someone to, to create a task where they can't solve it at an easier progression. And then you're like, well, we're doing, we're doing the higher end now. It's like, and that gets just, it just gets done. So it, tra they, they, that transition happens so fast that the person doesn't even realize, and they haven't even owned what the, the lower of the level or the moderate levels were like. And they, they yeah. didn't own that. It, it, it goes back to very simple, basic principles that you hear from like lifting. It's like, you know, totally. one of the coolest things I remember hearing was like um, with regards to lifting was you could just keep lifting that weight, that same amount of weight, same amount. Of, okay. 200 pounds. You're going to lift that weight, 200 pounds, and you're going to do it four or five times, you know, four or five sessions until it starts to feel easier. Then I'm going to add weight. Not, I'm just going to add 20 pounds every single week until, no. <laughs> I'm just going to, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to improve how you do the skill and then you're going to get better at the skill. And then when you've gotten good at it, now we're going to change something to it, make it harder, right. make it faster, make it more complex. Not, I'm just changing things just to change things because I need to change things. And I need variability. No, they need to be yeah. good at what you're asking them to do. And they need to be very confident at the level you're asking them to be good at. And then you progress. It's not like, so, I just have to, let me ask I have, you I have, Go ahead. So, sorry, but before I keep going there, because this is this, I'm positive this is going to spring so many different thoughts on it. Hmm. Let me ask you first in the in the eyes of the coach in your professional opinion, and then I'm going to also ask you into, I guess we'll say practical side. You obviously have a lot of knowledge on this um, and this topic. Do you feel for other coaches that are out there? I'm assuming they have a lot of the same knowledge or access to it. Do you feel that the coaches just simply don't know about you know, this side of it, maybe they're, they're not quote woke to it enough, man. Or do you feel like maybe they just, there's not really consideration or care sometimes because it's quote, not their job to do, or do you feel like yeah. maybe that it's out there and maybe there's a bit of an insecurity to change? Like, what do you feel in that side? Like, why isn't this being applied maybe a bit more than you feel it should be? I, this is how I feel because this is how I've adapted myself and, and how I've learned. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like when I first was a coach and I'm still a young coach, I never liked the idea of that is the sport coach's job. I'm not talking about yeah. tactical, like this is the position that you're going to, I'm yeah. talking about the physical abilities of what the athlete needs to do. I don't like the, the, the thought process of, like that's the sport coach's job because I have seen many, I was a sport coach. I freaking coached like receivers. I did, I did a coach track brief sure. period of time, but I did those things. And all I know is I couldn't stand and I still can't stand like that's the sport coach's job because guess what? A lot of sport coaches do not understand basic training principles with regards to skills. Yeah. So I don't see a lot of like, and I'm not poo-pooing on football. I'm of not course. like, this is because I, I'm just saying, I've seen lots of examples in this and I'm just giving this example as an example, like a wide receiver coach. Well, they do, they do a lot of drills, but they're not actually teaching like cutting, breaking yeah. down the, the cutting and like how you would improve cutting. And we can have all kinds of different opinions on like how you would do that. But I see a lot of drills, not improving the actual skill. And so to me, if the player that you're working with 
is not getting that from the sport coach, which I think ha- doesn't happen a lot. Okay. And then you're, and then me saying, nah, that's the sport coach's job. I am doing a major disservice to that person because who's going to teach them that then? That's yep. where I think my mind has, my mindset has changed over the few, past few years. And I think it will continue to adapt um, to try to understand this more and more. And this is where skill development is so important because if you, you have to know what is, what is happening in all these skills. And if you don't, then ultimately we're doing a disservice to the athlete because they're not going to always get it. And they probably most likely will not get it always from their sport coach, at least from what I've seen on videos, from what I've seen from talking to players, at least from the, from their examples of what they do. It's, it's drills. It's like they look good or they're good, but they're not really working on the actions of how they happen. And all these, all these, you know, all the specifics that, of that, um, encapsulate what a skill is and and that's what bugs me because i don't i've never liked that and i still Mm -hmm. don't and that's why i think it's a problem i think that's a problem as a result of that because they're not going to get it but we but it's very safe as a coach it's very safe to be like well we work on the physical abilities it's like yeah i can do a bunch of general strength training and that's going to work a lot but there's going to come a time where it's like that's probably not going to work and we're just kind of just spinning our wheels over and over each year with the athlete and they're doing very similar things and it's like but at the end of the day they're not executing this skill and it it makes me frustrated because i want to know more because i don't know enough and 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 it's like you know but then you see like skill coaches and it's very hard it's like that that doesn't that's not that's not what the skill that's not from how i how i've learned (laughs) that's not how the skill is you know developed you know and so that's what I want to know more about, but I don't like, I'm not going to just take a side and be like, that's the sport coach's side because I don't know what I don't know. So I want to learn yeah. so that I do know, but I, I can at least identify and understand myself. Like, yeah, that's not right. Like, that's just not right. Well, like, dude, just doing drills, you know, think about it too. It's like, and I, I love this take on it because, you know, it's also kind of in our field where we see the same, where it's, there's a difference between a coach who can motivate and a coach mm-hmm. who can help you get to the next level from a mental side of it or a, a resilient mm-hmm. side or whatever you want to call it. Right. And it's like, hmm. this is also why this whole topic on working in silo and how it, it, it's such a danger when you work in silo, because like there has mm-hmm. to be coaching within the coach, right? The coaches should be educating each other on, Hey guys, mm-hmm. like this is, this is a very positive approach to use X, Y, and Z. I know for us, for example, when we work with Mm -hmm. teams and we consult with them, it's not just a work with the players focus, right? Like it can't Mm -hmm. be because Mm -hmm. we all know this and we all talk about it, but I feel like we sometimes we forget about what we talk about where it's, it's about the environment that the athletes in or the performers in. And if mental coach is saying one thing and physical coach is saying another and skill coach is saying another and head coach is saying Mm -hmm. another, like mm-hmm. that environment all of a sudden becomes a threatening environment because now mm-hmm. you're taking away the psychological safety of the individual because they don't even know how to act. And then we start seeing yeah. all these issues that come up with identity. And that's a whole other web of problems that I'm noticing starts to happen, right? Where you get one mm-hmm. player who's one way with one coach and, and then he's another way with another and so on. So it's complex, yeah. but it can be simply solved by communication and educating one another, right? And I love that. Yeah. I love that you're able to understand that it's not, we'll say that they don't care, but almost like a, that's not my job mentality. Listen, yeah. we're all employed under the same understanding where we're here to develop individuals. That's like, let's yeah. break it down for a sec. We're developing human beings in any mm-hmm. coach, team coach, mental coach, strength coach, 
rehab, recondition, whatever it is, we're all coaches here to develop a human being. And we all are doing a disservice to these individuals if we're not working on it together in that sense. So yeah, I like yeah. that approach a lot, right? And the yeah. other thing that's scary that I want to ask you on, we touched on it before and we got to come back to it now is the acceptance, right? Where mm. all my back's just always tight. Listen, I fell into that scary category as an athlete until I had it, you know, not to say anything of it, but I had a very old school coach, a Russian soccer coach who came from, mm -hmm. you know, Soviet Union, played back way back in the day mm -hmm. when it was more so a matter of drink water and you can have a cigarette at halftime and a shot before a game to calm you down. <laughs> and that was the guy's mentality, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. he was the one that actually taught me, he, his name is Pavel and he goes, you need to be able from a sitting position as a goalkeeper and mind you, this is very old school. So Matt, I know I'm going to break mm -hmm. so many different principles of yours, um, but bear mm -hmm. with me on the example of it. He goes, you need to be able to touch your toes and put your nose to your knee. And I said, I can't mm -hmm. do that. He goes, sure you can. Give me your arms. And he mm -hmm. had me sit straight out, legs stretched. <laughs> he pulled on my arms and he helped me go. He didn't pull it right down to my knees, but we worked over this about, I would say about six and a half to seven weeks on my flexibility. My hamstrings there. And he goes, my goal isn't to tear your hamstrings. My goal is to make you uncomfortable a little bit more each pull. I know that's probably a terrible, terrible, terrible way of doing things. But I will say this, what that did for my confidence to see I could go from nothing to something was a game changer. I'm sure there's a much better way to do it. But that ability for him or for me, sorry, to not just sit there and accept all oh, my hamstrings, I'm never going to be able to touch my toes to, that's right. Hey, if I actually work on this, I can and do a bit more each day, I can do it. That's great. So let's let's pivot for a second here, because I feel like a lot of our listeners don't understand what it truly means to have a flexibility program or a mobility mm -hmm. program or something of it. What would you say are these good components to, let's say, do a couple things, obviously enhanceability um, of the simple form of flexibility. And you can probably start with a definition because we talked about it and it was outstanding. So take it away with mm -hmm. that in a sec. But so first and then secondly, what do we want to see from a confidence standpoint of an athlete being able to achieve the end result of what they're trying to go out there and train specifically with that flexibility? So the, the easiest way I've heard of this, and this is kind of funny is flexibility is all movement. The problem okay. is that people associate flexibility with one type of flexibility and that is static. So I'm sitting in a certain position I'm holding a certain position and it's passive. And I'm just doing that for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, two minutes. That's what is associated when they hear the word flexibility. Flexibility in everything that we do, if I go and I reach my arm behind me right now and grab a book off the shelf, I am demonstrating flexibility in what I'm trying to accomplish right there. Flexibility is all movement. The types of flexibility are different. The, the issue is, is essentially is there's always, it's always, flexibility is always associated with one type of flexibility and it's always static and passive. So I'm just holding a basic position, whatever it might be. And I'm just sitting there for an X amount of time. The issue is that that is not, that is one quarter essentially of what flexibility actually is. Flexibility is all movement. All things that we do in our life or in our sport, or whatever it is, is flexibility. So if I go and, like I was saying before, I go behind my back, I turn my body, I reach out, I grab a book off the shelf and I do that. 
that is a form of flexibility. There's static flexibility. There's passive flexibility. There's active flexibility. There's dynamic flexibility. And then there's combos of, the, of each. And all tasks are in some way in one of are, are in those categories. You can break down all movements, and they they fall within all of that: static, active, passive, dynamic. They're all within that. And so the when someone hears it, they just think it's one thing. I'm just holding stretches. That is not what right. flexibility is. It just I don't know if it's because coaches over time have just been like I want I want a different way to to explain this, but sure. essentially is that everything that we do is flexibility. And so when we're talking about an athlete and building confidence is that athletes need to be able to display the flexibility that they need to do for their skills and for what they need to do. And so that's essentially um, how we go about addressing that. Now, how you do that in terms of static, active, dynamic, passive, whatever it might be, is that they can all they all complement each other to some degree. And so I think what happens is that everyone thinks like, oh, you got to stretch. Well, what does that even mean? Like, I, like, yeah, there's there's a, there's a bunch of research that shows like, well, this is not this is the appropriate time. No, this is the appropriate time. No, two minutes. No, you need one minute. And the reality is, is that depending on what you're trying to improve is going to dictate what you need to do. You know, for someone who doesn't have the range of motion, um, I've seen many colleagues who do this with a lot of people where if they don't have joint ranges of motion, they do basic static passive flexibility, and then they incorporate that into same movements, but they just make mm -hmm. it more dynamic. And then all of a sudden, over the course of a period of time, they're so much better, and they have before and after pictures of them doing squats, lunges, any type of skill you can talk about. Boom! Look at the look at the look at the before and after videos before, and and they just did passive static flexibility, but they sure. also incorporated it with movements that are very similar to that that were dynamic, basically, aka strength. <laughs> so this is why yes. I don't agree. This is why I don't agree with the neutral spine type stuff. I'm not saying that that's wrong because that can teach somebody how to move from where you're trying to have them move from, let's say in a squat. But our bodies, every part of our body is, is a, it, it can adapt to what you put upon it. So I'm not saying that you need to bend over and pick up a 300 pound barbell with a rounded spine. I'm just saying that a, that a, that a, I think a, a well-rounded coach who has good progressions to all movements sure. understands that you need to first make sure that, that person can move from where they're asking them to move from. And then gradually and appropriately, you progress those things. And that applies to all movement, not, well, you shouldn't move and do those things because, because it only has X amount of range of motion. That is fine. But what we're talking about is gradually progressing movements over time so that they don't have this fear of doing things because life is not neutral life is ever-changing movement in all different ways at all different times constantly and so every joint action in the body okay you can gradually progressively overload over time um and when you do that a lot of times there's tremendous results in how athletes feel and move and their flexibility is better and they don't have these fears of doing certain things because they've been told yes. from other coaches don't do these things because if you do these things that is the reason why you get injured no the reason why you get injured 
is because you avoid things and because you're not preparing your body for those things appropriately and progressively over time, not just being ignorant and just loading the piss out of things, then you get hurt because they can't do it. It's like, why do, how can somebody blow their back out by sneezing? Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't like that happens. You can say, well, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes. But that person probably couldn't even move their spine segmentally, number one. And they probably never loaded it in a, in a dynamic way, possibly, to make it stronger. And so we just think of like we just box ourselves into these categories of like core movements are only this. And then, you know, these movements are only done this way. And I'm not saying you need a thousand different variations. I'm just saying the very basic movements that the body does, you can do. And you could do them progressively and appropriately over time because that's what builds a resilient person in their life. And it builds a resilient athlete for their sport in the general. Yeah. Sense. Well, man, even you know, with that, so- it's like, there's so much see like, fuck, this is right up the alley of what I'm talking about with physical resilience, because this is what this, this has been our big push for the longest time. Mental resilience is treating something in silo where resilience is treating something as a lifestyle. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to, have mm-hmm. to, have to. If you want something maintained, mm-hmm. it's got to become a lifestyle. And maintaining that mm-hmm. also means understanding all aspects mm-hmm. to this, mental, yeah. physical, social, everything to do with it. And it's like, I look at this man and it's, it's interesting because I can't tell you how many times we've had to deal with an athlete. And, and this is what the scary part is. Like you're talking, so let's say someone really does sneeze and they throw their back out and it's a freak accident Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but it's a freak accident it's like okay you know I never really prepped for this so like it's kind of I got to take it as a one-off and there's a different there's a whole different mental process behind understanding that and being able to deal and reason with it right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then we get into this part man where and this is the part that's scary for me because we're going to go back to a second on this with your take about everything here with the process behind building flexibility and so on but an athlete that's, I think there's a, a completely different mindset between an athlete who's been training to prevent something, if you will, mm-hmm. and to strengthen mm-hmm. and to be resilient towards something, who then goes out in performance and hurts themselves. And now there's, mm-hmm. from, from my experiences that we have with our athletes, there's an even bigger mental hole now that we got to basically fill up with the dirt again, because it's like, mm-hmm. well, like I just went to try and prevent this. I prehabbed it. I did everything I was told. Mm-hmm. And now it's like all the work I did didn't work. Is this going to happen again? It's a, like, mm. that's scary, right? Because now mm-hmm. you get into the spot where confidence is completely compromised. Cause it's like, can I trust my body when I've been working on it? What's wrong? What did I do up mm-hmm. here? So there's that mm-hmm. whole catastrophic effect that happens when you treat something like that in silo, instead of understanding the whole picture behind it. So let me clear something up. Then it impacts for our viewers. You said that a good mental, pro- or sorry, a good flexibility program, if I'm listening, really hits these four topics and correct me if I'm wrong. Number one, you mm-hmm. got to understand the skills that it connects to, right? So mm-hmm. even for our everyday gym goers and fitness freaks, let's say our corporate individuals that train for more so of a sedentary performance, um, mm-hmm. they're going to also want to understand their functionality and the skills that they need to basically build flexibility around. So they don't all have to be able to, let's say, touch their toes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say that. So, yeah. So what I would say <laughs> is that I think if you look at touching toes and someone said, I cannot touch my toes. And all I would just say is, well, well, if you have to pick something off the ground, 
I think, in my opinion, that if you give them the resiliency to touch their toes first, the competent, the, you know, the, the ability mm-hmm. to do that, but then also have them have the strength in whatever that position is, which is touching toes, which is basically, it is, it is every segment is basically flexing in your body, except your knee, I guess, and your ankle, but sure. um, your whole, your whole spine is flexing, your hips are flexing. And so you have to be strong enough to do what you're asking them to do, which if it's below the level that you have to touch your toes and then you're asked to do that, I think you're going to run into a problem because it's beyond okay. your capacity of where you're at currently. If you never have to pick something off the floor, you know, as an, I'm giving like rough examples, I'm not saying this is sure. like perfect. I'm just saying, you know, but you get the idea and then you go and you, you got to pick a, a you know, a, a whatever, a 30 pound box off for the general population and then boom, their, their legs, their, you know, their back goes, well, I'm not saying you can prevent every single thing. We, I'm not God. I'm not saying mm-hmm. like, you know, I can stop everything. I'm just saying I see disconnects from what I've done in the Love past it. and what I do now. And I think that you can make big, big changes because athletes note it and people note it, um, how, how much better they feel and how much more active and, and how easy things come to them as a result of doing these things. So I'm talking about the results that come from these things, not just, yeah. I just say you should do this and then therefore, okay, it's all good to go. And then, you know, I'm talking about the results that the people and athletes are talking about. And there's, it's not just me. There's so many people that do this type of sure. stuff that they just note like, man, look at the before and afters, look how they feel, look at the performance and the results. It's not, it's not just because um, it's just some like, I don't know, just like some foreign thing to us. Like, this is what they do. You know, look at, look at gymnasts. Everyone talks about, well, gymnasts have all kinds of spondylolisthesis in their spine. Well, you don't know because you don't necessarily work with the person that you're seeing in that video necessarily, how they train, how much they train. You don't know what they what their approach is to getting flexible. You don't know these things. So just saying, well, they're super they're super flexible, and therefore, you know, that's why it's bad. You don't know the process that they went through and why they have these things. And so it's hard to make judgment calls and just say like, well, flexibility is bad because it encapsulates everything, and you don't know everyone's situation and how they did it. You know, and that's kind of like the toe touch example. Yeah. In gymnastics, what what a toe touch is is a pike position. So. Yeah. To me, it's like toe touch, pike, everything's Makes flexing, sense. all joints yeah. flexing. If you have that, you're going to have healthy joints. And if you yep. gradually load them over time, you're going to have healthier joints and stronger, more resilient joints. So that's yep. kind of where I'm coming from is like, what is the pattern? Gradually load it, prepare them for what they need to do, whatever that is. I love that because uh, I literally took four things out of that that I'll tell you right now. It's basically like understand the pattern or I, in my sense, I put skills, do the basics, yeah. progress the dynamics, and then load it. I love that. Yep. I absolutely yep. love that because, and there's, there's one thing you just touched on. I think that's very important that we take for granted as athletes or high performers in any sort. It's like, okay, well, I go to the gym, I'm physically fit. Um, mentally, I do my meditation and all that, but we take our general health for granted. And mm-hmm. you just said something there, man, where it's like joint health. I, I love that because you said it's not even for performance there. I believe you just said, basically, it's like, it, it's just, it's healthy for the athlete to do for their joints if they're a gymnast, piking like that, right? And having that flexibility. And it's like, I think we really need to start thinking a little bit more in terms of outcomes as high performers, not in a sense of like, I want to score 20 goals, but outcomes in regards to how we want to feel when we're performing. Because we mm-hmm. often just correlate a lot to, if I go out there and I kill it and I run really fast, 
I could feel like crap after, but I got the job done. And it's like, mm, it, we passed that point in evolution, right? Where it's like, sure. you actually can have your, your, your cake and eat it too, if you understand how to do this and how to have a mindset around it. And I love that. So let's transition into the last little bit here. Um, let's talk about the mindset behind it. If you had an athlete, let's say, who's coming to you, getting services done and so on, what have you noticed with some of, let's say, your most successful clients that you have? I'm not talking on a money side. I mean, in a result side, what are you noticing that these athletes or individuals are attacking programs with regarding flexibility so that they can feel confident, they can feel good because it does take patience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing I think I've taken away and what I've seen is having discussions with athletes to understand um, how much do they do um, with regards to everything, their practices, their training sessions, um, and taking a step back and saying, do less and not just do less for the sake of doing less. You know, I think people, they poo poo on freaking like the word minimal effective yeah. dose. And I, and I just say, you're missing the key word of effective. If I can have somebody now, this is all based on how much time you have somebody to, and I, I understand those things. But if I'm talking about, I want someone to be as effective as they can possibly be as long as they can possibly be. And in order for that to happen, you can't have super high intensities or super high volumes or, you know, super chaotic environments. You have to find as best as you possibly can what, what dose or what amount in terms of the training process. You know, that's why I believe in Dr. Yes's system in terms of starting with one set of things. You know, you start at one set, you do moderate intensity at first. The, everyone gets caught up into like, well, one set of 20, that's, you know, it's, it's not a system. It's not, no one ever said it was a system. It's a loading scheme to say, start right. out with a low, with a low amount of volume relatively or a moderate intensity um, and start with one set. And as a, as a result, over time, as the athlete shows improvement and the ability to adapt and get better in the things you're asking them to get better, you simply add intensity or you add more sets. It's just a principle. It's not, people get, they get caught up into like one, one set of 20. It's, you know, it is just a loading scheme to understand basic principles of training, moderate intensities before high intensities, simple concepts before uh, complex concepts, you know, slow and controlled and technique is owned before fast and explosive and plyometrics and all these other things, right? It doesn't mean you can't do those things. It just means understand the principles behind why you're doing what you're doing. And then you utilize the exercises and so forth and the intensities and you just progress it from there. But, th but the, this idea of um, understanding what the athlete has done in the past and what they have not done in the past is the key, I think, in trying to help them adapt and progress in what they need to do and to be confident. Because if they're not seeing results, um, many times it's not always because of they're doing, uh, too little. It's because they're always doing too much or maybe not the right things maybe. And so with, as a result of that, that's going to instill a lack of confidence, a lack of progress. And in my opinion, you need to take a holistic approach. I always think yes. back to, if you watch old physical education videos or mm -hmm. old school training, like all, like, well, they're doing all kinds of like joint circles and 
twists <laughs> and turns and tumbling and then they're doing lifting but the lifting is kind of just done like it just looks like easy like it just looks like they're just yeah. kind of like slinging weights around doing different movements and i'm amazed that nowadays it's seen as like that can be dangerous but it's like you don't understand those people are so physically fit they've done so many joint circles they've done so much flexibility with their strength they play different sports you create a healthy well-rounded athlete that can do all the things that you want them to do it's not like nah dude don't do that side bend because if you do that loaded side bend like you're, you're gonna really hurt your spine it's like is that serious because that person literally is gonna do that all the time throughout their lifetime and in their sport primarily probably at some at some point anyway so it's like if you have if you're just cognizant of having sound principles in your training and you understand like um that i'm going to change things when i need to change i'm not just going to change for the sake of change or i'm not going to do a million different things at once i'm just going to try to improve what i need to improve slowly and gradually with the end result in mind with how much time i have with that person i don't think you can really go wrong but the whole this the, the thing that throws me for a loop all the time with the professional strength conditioning or athletic development is this idea of like fear avoidance and these things yes. don't work because you can always, you can always jot down research. You can always jot down and say, look, re look, there's research that people, people are looking, they're actually doing research. People are paying people to do research and do flexibility for a certain period of time and then go out and like, oh, it, it decreases force production. Who has somebody stretch for a period of time and then go out and sprint? <laughs> Who does that? Like no yeah. one does that. And so to me, it's an inappropriate, it's completely ridiculous that we're following research when it's like, no one does that. No one ever, like, if you do that, like, that's crazy to me. And so yeah. just be, just be, just use your common sense, use basic principles and, and gradual progressive overload with the skill execution of mind. And I think we'll be really, really good um, in terms of how we help our athletes and how we help people in general not well fear avoidance or don't do this or don't do that that's i, well, I don't believe is, that. i just think it's ridiculous you're bang on and it's like i love that because this reminds me a lot of when i had our podcast with al vermeil a little bit ago and it's like you know one of al's legendary al i'll call him his principles is like you got to keep things simple and you've got to make people adaptable right because he was talking about how it wasn't always just a matter of like uh, like he gave a great example. He said, you know, if this athlete needs basic general strength training, guess what I'm going to give them yeah. basic yeah. general strength training. And it's like, why? Because that simple approach will affect many other areas of performance because they never had that before. Right. So it's like, you get these natural sure. adaptions with it. And it's another big thing that he talked about is common sense. Like you're saying, because, you know, he said, for example, he goes, I would have my athletes go do um, forest runs. And it's like, mm -hmm. And people would say to me, because he was talking about this fear avoidance, he's like, people would say, well, oh my gosh, aren't you worried about the fact that they could potentially roll their ankles? And he's like, they're pro athletes. Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to go throw them in the mud. He's what he was saying. He mm -hmm. goes basically in short, what I'm mm -hmm. trying to get to the point of here is that they've got to be adaptable and resilient with their bodies. So mm -hmm. looking at this last part, you two share also another common knowledge on research. And I'm going to ask you this question too. Do you feel that the research side, is it, is there too many, are there too many studies out there right now that are removing common knowledge in your opinion and almost making things, I guess you could say extreme to a point, like you just talked about, right? This mm -hmm. whole idea mm -hmm. behind who's going to go do static stretching and then whip out some sprints right away. Do you yeah. feel that that's happening too much in these control populations or what do you see? It, it, it's, it, they're, they're not real. 
and they're only one they're only very very i mean like i'm holding my finger my, my pointer finger and my thumb about a millimeter away from each other right now as if i was going to grip a penny that's mm -hmm. what you're looking at when you look at research you're looking at that little blip in in, in a category of something and so you take it, you, you, you might want to, if you want to read it, look at how it's done. Look at who it's done on, you know, how long are these things done on? A lot of times people poo poo on flexibility and trick because the research is done for six to eight weeks. You need to devote a habit to do these things for periods of time. Yes. No one says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lift maximal strength for eight weeks and look at it, it worked for these 18 to 23 hour talk. Well, of course it's going to work for the, for the college person. Of course, yeah. like we need to, we need to look, I think more at the 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 population that you're working with so if it's athletes you need to work at look at research for athletes and granted what you do and what i do is research you know yeah. it's just not as it's not as you know formal whatever you want to call it, but it's not yeah exactly it's informal but it's like that's it if if we do something and then you show that these are the improvements that's what they are and for anyone to say yeah. like that's not and that's wrong no, it's just you don't you don't you haven't done that because I've done this. I've had I've taken the same stance before. I'm like, man, that's like that's stupid. And it's like, but yeah. you don't really know what that process was. You don't really know what they were doing, like I was saying before. And so like, but look at these results this person is getting. Look how this person is, is saying that they're feeling. Look at all these different things. And then we're just kind of saying like, nah, it's just that that's complete nonsense. And I, I'm sure there's lots of things out there that maybe I'm not making clear, but I'm just talking in general, like on you know, the, hey, the, the flexibility on. myths and it's just things like that in terms of, you know, certain exercises, not like you don't know how it's being prescribed. You don't know what the person they're working with is doing. And as a result of that, if the person's getting really good results, it's kind of like, what the heck? Like what? Like, OK, like you don't agree with that, but you, how are you going to disagree with like what just happened in terms yeah. of the results that, that that person just came from? You know, and like people, people would be amazed that like I don't do a lot of high intensity we don't do a lot of high, high intensity training and people will be like, well, you need to do heavy strength training in order to prove strength. No, you don't. No, you don't like yeah. you do it unless the, the athlete that you're working with is showing you that maybe they do need that higher intensity. The athlete, they tell you, they show you through the results. They show you these things. And so yeah. you don't just say, well, this is what. No, you do not. It is. It spits in the face of this, but it's true because when you when you've done it now, and I've when you have colleagues who've done it with hundreds of thousands of people, and I'm not over exam. I'm talking like that's legitimate, sure. and they've done the same similar, similar approaches and same principles. It's like that is not true, and so like you, that's your opinion. That's not a truth. It's an opinion, and that's kind of yeah. where like you know I think it's missing in terms of like research. And of course, there's going to be good and bad, but I just think it needs to be specific to what you're asking the person to that you're looking, you know, athletes to athletes, apples to oranges. We don't have a level of athlete. We don't have, we don't even know when we have athletes who are doing, if they're, if they're in research, we don't know what, like what level of athlete they are. Are yeah. they novice? Are they like, what is their like relative? And I don't know how you would necessarily do that. And I, I know that was like an old school, like Russian thing where sure. they classified athletes, but I think that's brilliant because you have classifications of like, this is what this yeah. athlete is in terms of their physical qualities. We should know those things about all these athletes or who's being done in the research because ultimately, like, we don't really know. We don't even know like what level of skill they are in terms of they when they when they do these things. So how can we 
make it apples to apples. Like, I don't know. Like, and so it's kind of like, you're just taking with a grain of salt. That's what you do. You take it with a grain of salt, the research. And so it's like, that's it. That's kind of how I look at it. Take it with well, a grain of salt. It's brilliant. Everyone can prove their I, point. Everyone, everyone, everyone can prove their point because I can find research and you can find research. And it's like, I can defend yes. my point. And it's like, yeah. And you know why? Because we don't have classifications of who these athletes are and how, if they're higher level athletes, if they're not, we don't, we just classify them by like, okay, they're a pro athlete. But there's lots of pro athletes that are not high-level athletes in terms of the trainability. They may have never done anything besides play their sport. And that's great. And, and that's what made them great. But if you're going to do research and say, like, well, this is what that person did. It's like, that person has never done any lifts. If you do strength training yeah. in, in X way, everything's going to work. So we don't really know. We can't differentiate any of these people. You know, we can't, it's hard because we don't have a classification system like that. At least well, I don't and know. you're bang on know. because it's like, man, it's a, it's like we do with our, our our profiling that we do, and a lot of people ask us, is this psychological assessment? Assessment? No, it's not. It's to understand mm. where you're currently at in regards to how you respond to adversity. It can be trained. Mm. It can be it can be enhanced. It can be um, decreased as well. But it is to understand the current classification of where you're at, so that we can better adapt and understand what you need to work at. And even going into the research side, you're. I love that you talked about it because it's true. You know, it's like us sometimes when we see certain studies on an example being mindfulness, right? Mm. Where I love, I, I love the whole approach to it. I really appreciate it and understand it. Sometimes mm. though, the environment of where the mindfulness is practiced, like you're talking about, it's not realistic mm. for, let's say an yeah. NHL player who's going to hop on the bench sure. for 45 seconds, take a breath, and he's getting double shifted to go into the, into the next shift right away. I was talking to a colleague about this the other day. It's like, I, I have an athlete we just started working with who absolutely positively dominates off of his emotions. And this is great. Mm. And mm. what does a lot of the research say? Oh, you should be, you know, or not research, but I should say the approaches are emotionless is better. You've got to, you got to control your emotion. Okay, true. Mm, mm, um, mm. But the problem is this, this individual had his mojo, if you will, removed because mm -hmm. he followed an individual he was working with that that highly focused on this mentality of it's better to remove the emotion than it is to have it. And instead mm -hmm. of teaching this individual how to tame the fire, he put it out mm -hmm. and it completely yeah. messed with the performance. And it's like, why did you do that? So I asked him, I said, so what was, what was the basis behind this? And he said, well, he leaned on what he called evidence that it's mm. better to operate with controlled emotion, true, um, controlled emotional intelligence, true. But mm. he almost took it to an extreme, he said, where, you know, I was trying to be taught how to be in this meditative state all the time when he said, Matt, the mm. game at my level moves quicker than anybody can imagine and quicker than it's seen mm. on TV. I, I don't have mm -hmm. time to breathe like a sniper on the bench. I was like, you're damn right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, You've got to really be careful with this stuff and you've got to really understand how to take the research if you're somebody who's looking at it because what that does for the confidence of an athlete, for, for the confidence of an individual, like, man, imagine if we all tried to train like, like powerlifters that we see a lot of common mm -hmm. day, for example, YouTubers do, right? Because all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. fun to do that or how the, mm -hmm. the norm or understanding of the norm now for training is to be as big and buff as a bodybuilder. That is... Mm -hmm. Being a bodybuilder is being a bodybuilder, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's its own profession in that yeah. sense. And on the yeah. other side, 
I can totally resonate with the strength side like you're talking about because I'll tell you something. I used to play professional soccer. I played in Italy for a little bit. And before I went to Italy, I was playing with a North American team and we were constantly loading the bar. Okay. Load the mm -hmm. bar, load the bar, load the bar, load the bar, load the bar. And I'll ask you this because you could probably say best. Do you know the current mentality behind, let's say a European soccer player, or European athlete compared to the North American, Matt? Do you, do you have a lot of that biasness going um, on other weaker? Uh, from, from what I've told, yeah. From what I've heard as basically is I, <laughs> I, I basically just heard, Europeans, they spend a lot more time on skills and ta and, and tactical right. work and not, not as much on physical. And I'm like, and that's probably why they're way better than the United States and have been <laughs> for so long. Besides all you could say, well, you know, America's all their best athletes go to different sports. That's fine. But why aren't we developing and, 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 and learning from how they do things? Maybe we're getting better well, now. I don't know. Well, we're, let me tell like, you something, man. Look at, look at what they do. Like even, that's, that's what they do. Well, finishing what I want to get at here is like, I, when I first went there and we had our gym sessions and we were doing what we had to do, I was blown away and astonished at quote sets and reps, like you said, that were given and what they were making us do. And when I asked the strength coach, I said, Hey, I'm back home, just to let you know, I'm on a lifting program, my personal trainer, this and that. And he was this like, you know, he was a thinner guy. I'll say he wasn't skinny, but he was definitely in a lot better shape than the majority were for his age and his profession. And I said, so like, I just got to know, why aren't we lifting kind of heavier right now? And so on he goes in Italian. He said, Matthew, you got to understand something. We don't believe, or I don't believe he said, and this was a great way because I had the least amount of injuries when I was over there and I never felt better on a performance side. He said, I don't believe in getting strong for repetitions. I believe in getting strong through a, a range of motion and, and amount of flexibility behind what you do. He said, if I can't get you to basically mimic the patterns with a bar on your back or dumbbells in your hand, but just to mimic that pattern, I'm not doing my job right. And I'll tell you, mm. over there, where here I was loading up a bar, um, let's say with, I don't know, 250 pounds on a squat. Over there, man, we were barely, barely pushing mm -hmm. about, I would say, Ooh, about 160 pounds on a bar with repetitions because all they cared about was mm -hmm. quality of that movement pattern loaded on the bar. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you, me going into a performance, I never felt more confident in my life. And I'm not mm -hmm. just trying to like, I'm being dead on because it's like, man, I went in there knowing that my legs were ready. My lower back was ready. My spine was ready. I used to have um, mm -hmm. a hip bursitis when I played. And that was a big hesitation for me when I was playing, because it's like, every time I dove, I saw stars. I was a goalkeeper. Mm. Right. And it's like, mm. when I went over there and the amount of work we were doing, not directly at it, but around it, strengthening, you know, certain muscles and so on and, and teaching different techniques and, and all that kind of stuff for me to dive on. I was playing with the same hip bursitis, but my confidence levels were through the roof. Cause it's almost like, I felt like I knew what was going on instead of just yeah. doing what I had to do. Right. So it's like, yeah. There's such a different mentality, man. And I'm sure we could talk about this for days, but I just love the mentality behind it because it cleans up a lot of the work that we have to do with athletes, for example, on a mental side to help them understand, like, you're actually okay. You're able to physically fucking prove it for them. And I think that's a mm -hmm. really, really big overlooked aspect of this all where it's like, you're not just helping with flexibility or strength. You're physically proving to these individuals that they have the abilities to do what they have to do that mentally do, does yeah. everything right 
That's a hundred percent. That's what I'm, that's, that's, and, and that's where I think that as coaches, it's almost like everyone wants to prove their point. Like, okay, we have this athlete now and like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do all this stuff with them. And it's like, okay, you went over to Italy and you played and you, this is what you're doing. And you actually probably did a little bit less. And you just kind of had more of a focal specific focus on certain things. And you probably did actually less overall in terms of like mm-hmm. how much stress it was taking out of your body and you felt yeah. better. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Mm, isn't that isn't that kind of something, you know, as opposed to saying, like, I have to make my point proven by spending all this time getting you super strong. It's like it's so easy to get someone generally strong for the most part yeah. in team sport. Like it doesn't it's not that hard, at least from my experience, it doesn't seem that mm-hmm. difficult. And if I have to spend that much time to get you that strong, I'm wasting your energy for the other things you need to actually do for your sport. I can do a lot less and achieve the same result, maybe in a little bit longer period, but that's fine because you have all these other things that you have to do. Your, your skill yeah. practices, your freaking doing all the video and breaking down tech, like all this is energy being spent in your body. I just need to do <laughs> enough to help you a little bit at a time. And that's where I think it's yeah. like, we've, we, it's, oh, I think strength and conditioning can be a result of a lot of problems because we're doing too much. And that's kind of, it's still a constant issue for me. I'm like, dude, am I doing too much? Like, what the freak? Like, yep. uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I am. Like, maybe they're getting a little bit more stiff. And it's like, they shouldn't. It's like, but I'm doing a lot. Less. Maybe they need freaking less. I don't think they need yeah. more because, you know, it's, it just, it's just how it unfolds right before your eyes. If you're really keen and keen to seeing it and, be, and being willing to say, hmm, maybe I need, need to change that a little bit. You know, maybe I got to do a little bit less. Maybe what I'm doing mm-hmm. is actually hurting them more than it's actually helping them. You know, and you got to be open with that. And and, yeah. and I don't think it's not necessarily – it doesn't really happen that often. I don't think it does from what I've seen. You know? Absolutely. So let me ask you this last closing question um, because I think this is really important. So going back to the scenario I gave you before, hmm. you got an athlete who's constantly being told, oh, your injury or that injury or that recurring pain that you're feeling or so on, that's a mental thing. Okay. Mm. That's an awkward spot for an athlete first off. And secondly, being somebody who's predominantly based on the mental side of performance, I will say, Mm. I think that's one of the dumbest things a coach could say to an athlete without truly assessing, analyzing, or in some way, shape or form, getting a deep understanding of their actual mental reading on it, because that's just throwing a statement around that in my opinion is very much no disservice to the athlete. So let me ask you this. You've got an athlete in this scenario. You are the guy who's working on the physical side. What would you want your athlete to ask if they're ever put in that scenario to, let's say, get the education they need on that? Or more importantly, almost defeat the biasness behind. This is just a mental thing. What do you think they should ask about? I think what I would do, number one, is is if you if it was what would what would be the specific scenario? So I'll give you a scenario that we deal with. And it's sure. like well, they have, they have a lot of knee pain. And so they might go out and they might practice and do whatever and lifting and whatever, and they have chronic knee pain with specific, maybe it's a specific motion. So let's just call it squatting. Well, let's say we take you and we put you into the pool and you go and you squat down, you put the water is at, let's just call it belly button height. You're standing in water, it's belly button height. And you squat down, ah, oh, no issues in my knee when I do that. Okay, mm-hmm. let's put the water now back at, back, let's, let's, let's make the water go around mid thigh height do some squats. Not doesn't bother my knee. It's not a mental thing. It's not a mental mm-hmm. thing because you don't have pain when you're doing that. 
the threat that yep. your body's receiving from the constant pain that you've been in, you need to find what the person can do without the pain in the patterns or the skill that you're asking them to do at the right intensities that they can do so that they can build those neural pathways back that they're not pain. So, so, so that's kind of like, you're just telling the body, it's, it's again, it comes down to threat. It's the same thing. We tell someone to do a stretch and they go, Oh my God, that hurts. That is actually a very small pain response, essentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very small pain response. And so if you tell them to control breathing, understand to relax over time, they have to learn mm -hmm. that intrinsically through their, through their mind, through their breathing, through their control. You have to find what the person can do in order to, for them to work on what you're asking them to do in a pain-free environment, setting, whatever it is, exercise, whatever it might be. And, and as a result of that, by doing that and by getting and making it easy enough for them to do it well, the intensity will, will, will start to kick back up again and you can start to get them back into it. So if you do something and you say, does that, that doesn't, you know, you may just be like, that doesn't hurt you, you know, or you might put them in a mm -hmm. playful situation. You know, you might put them in playful situations where they're squatting and bending. They're not really thinking about it. the whole idea of not thinking about their injury is a big mm -hmm. one, you know, um, but putting them in, but that whole principle of like, meeting them where they need to be at so that they don't have that pain response or that threat that they've always had. That is the money, in my opinion, because they, once they learn that that's all good, the next step, boom, do it again. Next step, the next, mm -hmm. the next. Step. And that isn't mental. That is, they don't have the, it could be the flexibility, the control. And it is part, I mean, like it is part of the mental, but you're by, by you, coaching them in a way that is not perceived as this major threat to what they're asked to do that dimming that that that, that goes down and gets yep. better and they progress so is it really a mental thing it's like well yeah they're thinking about it constantly but you're also doing things that are causing pain all the time so it's like that's not yeah. their fault you know what i mean like yeah they're, they're freaking, 100%. They're, you know you know or they're not or they're not recovered or there's all these different things that you can go into from basic principles that that this is why, because you're doing too much. They, they can't recover from it. You're always asking them to do things that hurt as opposed to the next day is not better than the day before. You know, each mm -hmm. day should build upon one another. Everything should improve each day a little bit at a time, you know? And if that's the case, then you start to really see if it really is mental, I guess you could say. I love that. I've, I've never seen like where it's like, put them in the pool, man. They have major knee swelling and knee pain. They have less range of motion yeah. and you get their knee moving really freely. It's like, Wow, that feels really, really good now. It's like, wow, like that wasn't mental, dude. Like you're not a, you're not a hypochondriac. <laughs> like that's like that's like that. Yeah. You just you just weren't working on the right things at the right intensities at the right times. You know, through the range of motion that you that you could do in a in a setting that was easy enough to, to help so you do achieve you think, that and maintain it. Do you think there has to be more assessment than the? This is the true last question I'll ask. But do you think there has to be more mental assessment than in regards to this whole side of performance when it comes to reconditioning? or whatever might be there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, of course. I think it has to just all, it's just, it's it's all, it's, I guess, I, I, I would just say it's all one. That's why I think training yeah. and rehab and mental, like it's all one thing and they all interplay on and they and they all vibe off one another. You know what I mean? Like Love it. If, if you're gonna have a training session that is so freaking hard and the athlete knows how hard it's going to be, like they have a cycle, like they're like, oh my God, I don't wanna, you know, I can't, you know, yep. it's like I gave the example earlier of like, you see someone do something 
uh, some task and you're like, oh my God, that guy just dropped into his foot. My groin just exploded. And you're like, that person really does think like that. They, they feel that like they, like, they really see that and they feel that because it's all connected. It's like what you do physically. If you crush somebody mentally, they're going to be smoked because they're like, dude, I can't do that because they're not prepared. So it's all they vibe off one another. So you can't yep. just like dismiss one thing for the other because I've seen it where athletes have stopped making progress. And mm-hmm. when they stop making progress, me as the strength coach or athletic development coach goes, man, like, what am I doing? And then you start talking to them about what their week has been like. Oh, it's a bit <laughs> of a freaking light bulb going off. You know, they've had 100%. five, they've had a test every single day. They literally have slept. They literally have eight like crap. Everything that they've done is affecting everything that they do. And so it's not, it's not just like that, but like the physical is being a, is being uh, affected, but their men, their mentality and their outlook on all these things is completely fried because of the week they're undergoing or what they've undergone, you know? And so you can't dismiss that because that's, that's life. <laughs> that's life, yeah, you know? 100%. And so you have to, you have to, you have to respect that and understand it. Like you have to adjust your training because I might, might say that I need to adjust because of what's going on. I'm not going to help you with what I should be doing with you. I'm going to help you by actually maybe taking a backseat and addressing the thing that is the issue, you know? So that's why I think you have to kind of come at, you know, so. Massive. Well, Matt, outstanding. Um, you shed so much light on a topic that we like, we're going to have to get you back on to go even deeper with this because it's like, a lot of these things can manifest into its own conversation that I know a lot of our viewers want to hear about because they're performers, right? Like high performance is about yeah. all of this. And yeah. it's just the ability to be able to connect it all into one and make it this whole lifestyle versus just each piece doing its own silo work. Like we, we got to close the gap on it. So put it this way, Matt, um, you're obviously somebody that likes to bring out a lot of good information, a lot of good work on it. Where can people find you to keep up with, let's say your ideologies around this kind of stuff? Is Twitter the best spot? Is Instagram, is it a combo? What is it? Well, if, if you want to know where, um, you know, like our, our, our work, um, knowlesathletic.com is a website. Mm-hmm. You can go check out, um, you know, Bill's resume and everything that he's done. He's, he's, he's a mentor of mine. He's, he's, I've learned so much from him. Um, and he has such a great outlook on athletic development and reconditioning and just, just, understanding I mean, he comes from a physical education background like i do so we kind of have that similar that, that we share that similar background um and if you want to go to that website that's kind of our our, our company website um, where you can learn more information um and then I, yeah i have a twitter mattina scouchy i think is my it's my whole my whole name basically where you can follow me on twitter um so yeah i'm on there a little Love bit I try, not to, I try not to get involved too much with it a little bit because there's so <laughs> many you know freaking arguments over like, wasting things as opposed to so yeah, you can find me there. Um, I'm more than happy to uh, reach out or talk to anybody who wants to talk about anything. Uh, and my, I have an email. I have two emails, uh, mattsiniskalki at gmail.com. And then I have uh, msiniskalki at knowlesathletic.com. That's my company uh, email. So, so yep, always free to talk shop about anything um, in my experiences and results and things like that. We can always go over that. So very free and open with that stuff. Matt, you're the absolute man, brother. We'll definitely have you back on to talk more about this stuff. And uh We'll talk soon, dude. Absolutely, man. Forza Italia, Euro 2021. Let's go. <laughs> That's it, baby. Let's go. Have a good one. <laughs> I'll see man. you, man. Bye-bye.